I apologize, and I'm still fighting that cold a little bit, but I trust it will not be a distraction. Makes you appreciate health, though, doesn't it, when you start feeling better? And I'm certainly thankful for feeling better. This morning, I'd like to begin by uh, asking you a question <coughs> that I would think uh, would be true of most of us. But how many of you have ever been guilty of people watching? Most of us have been guilty of people watching at some point in our lives. And it's not that we are trying to be judgmental. It's not that we're trying to assume that uh, we have the right to make certain declarations. But how many of us have ever looked at people, maybe some people we've got to know a little bit better than just casually observing them? <coughs> Excuse me. And we have come to a conclusion like this. You know what? They deserve each other. They deserve each other. Now, you immediately bust out laughing or that puts a smile on your face because many times we immediately think of the negative situations like, yeah, those two deserve each other. That's exactly right. But it actually could be said in a positive light or in a positive sense, you know, that those two people deserve each other. That's a good man with a good heart. She's a good lady with a good heart. And, and you know, people like that, they deserve one another. They, they deserve to find each other and to be able to spend the rest of their lives together. And so there are those times that we look at people, and again, it's not that we're trying to be judgmental. It's not as though we feel as though we have the right to make uh, the final verdict on everything, but we would say something like this, you know what, they're a good fit, and they deserve each other. Sometimes, though, there are those moments in our lives where we look at people, and we look at how they've come together, and, and we would say something like this, you know what, he does not deserve her. She is a far better lady than he is. That man does not deserve what he has in her. And sometimes you may flip it around and you may say something like this, she doesn't deserve him. He's a good man. He is a good provider. He is a good worker. He is a good dad. He is a good this. He is a good that. She doesn't even know how to appreciate it. She doesn't even know how to say thank you. She doesn't even know how to express uh, gratitude to him for that. And you know what? She's always negative. She's always critical. She's always hateful. She's always harsh. Whatever it may be, and we would say something like this, she doesn't deserve him. So we have these moments in life where we would look at particular situations, we would look at particular relationships between this party and that party, and we would say maybe, depending upon their lifestyle, depending upon their actions, they do deserve one another, or we would say something like this, they do not deserve each other. Now, we'll get to that in just a couple of moments, but today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at something that I know is not uh, new to most of us. Most of us are very familiar with what we're going to be looking at. But in Galatians, what we have is the Apostle Paul writing to a group of believers in the area or in the region of Galatia. And as he is writing to them, in verse number 19, he is going to begin by saying, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now, the way in which Paul wrote the words is a little bit different than how you and I would speak today. But basically, what Paul is declaring is this. These are the works of the flesh. 
All right? These are the works of sinful men and sinful women. This is what sinful men and sinful women do. This is how sinful men and sinful women live. And, and as we understand that, we need to keep this in, into, we need to keep this in consideration that the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 5 are not prophetic in nature. And what I mean by that is this. The Apostle Paul, as he is writing to the believers of Galatia, is not saying that there is coming a day in which these works will manifest themselves by way of sin. No, what Paul would be able to say as he wrote that letter was this. As I look around and as I observe the actions of the world around me today, this is what we see by way of the works of the flesh. This is what we see present. So even 2,000 years ago, roughly, here is the Apostle Paul. He would look at the world that he was living in. He would look at how men and women and, and young adults were living in their day. And he would say, you know what? This is what we are seeing. Follow this, please. This is what we are seeing today as a result of sin in people's lives. If we could alleviate or if we could remove and eliminate sin from a person's life, these things would not be present. But because all of us are sinners, there are those who are going to act out their sin in certain ways. And so here is what we will see when men and women act out their sin. He says in verse number 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery. The very first sin stated by the Apostle Paul that is a work of the flesh is that of adultery. Again, this was not something that uh, Paul was saying prophetically. He was not saying that there is coming a day in which men or women will be guilty of committing adultery. No, even back in the Apostle Paul's day, there were men and women committing adultery having relationships outside of their marriage. Okay? So here's what we understand. Men and women, even in the Apostle Paul's day, because of the sin which was manifesting in their lives, they were guilty of adultery. Next, he speaks of fornication. Well, we know what fornication is. That would be a sexual relationship prior to the coming together in marriage. And so what Paul was saying is, in their day, you could look around and you could see this man and this woman engaging in the act of fornication. They were not married before God, before man. They had not come together and placed themselves one to another for the rest of their lives. Till death do they part. And so what they were doing was they were enjoying the sexual gratification of, of, of the relationship while not being married. And Paul was saying, this is the result of man's sinfulness. 2,000 years ago, they viewed fornication as sin. What a shock. At least some did, I should say. He then says not just adultery and fornication, he says uncleanness. Well, what is uncleanness? Well, it was just an overall general perversion by way of morality. Just by way of morality, people just had a twisted, distorted view because of the sin nature. So there was just this perverted, twisted 
messed up way of thinking about morality, sexuality, things of that nature. And then he says lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. What is lasciviousness? Well, again, it is dealing with the sexual desires of mankind. And as you know, kind of like in today's society, sex is used to promote and to sell and to, to advance so many things. So even back in Paul's day, there was like this sensual approach to life of many that Paul would look to and say, you know what, because of sin, we are seeing things like this sensual approach to how men and women live. So here he is, verse number 19, writing to believers in the region of Galatia, and he says, I want us to think about something, believers, that the works of the flesh are manifest with these types of sins, and he begins to list several sins that are sexually related, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness, and then in verse number 20, he moves to idolatry. What is idolatry? Well, it would be anything that stood between them, that individual, and God. So for this person, the idol may be this. For this person, the idol may be something else. For another person or for another family, the idol could be something completely different. But idolatry in their day was anything that would be worshipped greater than Jehovah God. <clears throat> so he speaks of idolatry. Next, in verse number 20, he speaks of witchcraft. Well, what is witchcraft? Well, it was dealing with sorcery and magic. Now, I don't understand how words always work, okay? You ought to know that if you listen to me preach enough. I don't always quite understand how words work. But I'm told by reading or from reading that the word witchcraft in the original language has the idea of pharma associated with it, and it is the word in the original that we have our word today, pharmaceuticals. Now, now, now follow this, please. And so it is said that back in their day that with the witchcraft that was in place, many times, it's hard to believe, but those who would engage in the witchcraft and the sorcery and the magic they would also delve into the pharmaceuticals of their day or the mind-altering drugs in the midst of their witchcraft experiences. So he says in verse number 20, it's not just idolatry, but it would be that of witchcraft going into sorcery, into magic, or into mind-altering states because of drugs taken. Hatred. What is hatred? Well, we understand this. It's great hostility. You mean 2,000 years ago in the good old days there were people who didn't like each other? Yes. 2,000 years ago when, you know, it was just everybody living in, in, in a completely different world than what we live in today, there were people who hated other people. not just the hatred. He goes on to speak of the variance and the emulations, the wrath, the strife, the seditions and the heresies. Some of these are intertwined with one another. So we'll deal with emulations and envying. What is that? Well, it, it's jealousy. It's, it, it's jealousy of others and the desire to 
excel past the person who has more than you. Jealousy and competition 2,000 years ago, what were they jealous of? I mean, you got nicer rocks than me? I mean, what was it? I mean, 2,000 years ago, so your chariot's a little bit newer or your horses are a little bit newer or younger, whatever it may be. But I mean, even back then, there were people who were dealing with jealousies and the desire to one-up their neighbor or someone in their life. Seditions. What is that? Well, it's those who rebel against government and created disorder. 2,000 years ago, you had the disenfranchised. You had those who were discriminated against. You had those that were being overlooked by the government. And they could not just handle it in an appropriate way. No, as a result of their frustration with the government, they had to address it in ways that would create havoc or that would create disorder in their society around them. Heresies are mentioned in this list. What are heresies? Well, they're lies related to doctrinal truths. 2,000 years ago, as Paul walked upon the earth and as others ministered on the earth, there were those who took the Word of God and they would twist it and they would distort it. And they would make the Word of God say what they wanted it to say so as to advance their own purposes in life. He speaks of murders. He speaks of drunkenness in this list. Drunkenness. You mean way back then people were getting drunk? Yes. Listen, drunkenness and revelings. What is that? It's the indulgence of pleasure and things that bring delight. It's kind of like, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. Now think about this list for just a moment. You've got adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, emulation, envying, strife, seditions, heresies, murder, drunkenness, revelings. And then he says in the scripture, in verse number 21, and such like. What does that mean? Well, that's basically Paul's way of saying this. And you understand. Things like this. It's like Paul admitting, I couldn't address every sin that is present in our life today. There are too many to write down. I could be here forever talking about the sins of our society and the sins of our day. Now, as we keep that list in mind, I want us to think about this. Not only is the, the writing of Paul not prophetic by way of what the world would see in the years to come. They were things that society was dealing with in Paul's day. Understand this, please. It was also not something that he knew would pass away in future generations. And this morning, I think if we were honest we would have to say something like this. You and I have no understanding truly the magnitude of the sin that is present in our world 
and the effect it is having on the lives of people. You say, I don't know exactly what you mean by that. I mean this. If for just a moment the veil of secrecy and the veil of lies and the veil of manipulation could be lifted and we truly saw all the sin that people are engaged in and the effect it has on other people's lives, I don't believe for a moment our minds could truly begin to grasp just how devastating the sin of this world has truly become. Someone says, well, I don't know exactly what you mean. <coughs> I think we'd be amazed to know the number of people who have been affected in our society today by the sin of adultery. Because the act of adultery does not just affect the married person and the one that they're having the affair with. As we know, it affects the spouse. But it doesn't just affect the husband and the wife. It affects the children. It affects the grandchildren. It affects the parents. It affects the friends. It affects the church family. I mean, when you begin to think how far-reaching the sin of adultery is, you say, my goodness, the magnitude of this sin is overwhelming. <coughs> When you begin to look at the sin of fornication and the effects that it's having in our society today, how amazing is that sin? Because you have this person who's now been with this person and this person who's now been with this person and then this person. And they tell us that, that once you come together in that physical relation, it's as though you are having the physical relationship with everyone they have had the physical relationship with. Now, I'm not a doctor and I've not done the research. I'm just going by what they've said. But I, I'm just saying this. Even if you take away the physical part of it, you now have the mental and the emotional toll that it takes on you. And, 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 and friends, I know this, that, that you can't engage in that and it not have some kind of a toll on the individual. The sensuality of our society... I mean, our kids are being targeted many times, and we don't even know it. They're seeing things, and they're being exposed to things that we don't even begin to know. How about idolatry? Look for a moment at the world we live in and the number of people who have so many things in their life in front of God. We have family in that position. We have friends in that position. And the list goes on and on and on. Hatred, you have jealousy. My goodness, we have jealousy in the world today, do we not? And the desire to one-up the neighbor. <laughs> we don't need most of the stuff that we have. But why do we buy it? Because someone else has it and it's available to us. And I've got 18 months, no interest. But they have it, and they're allowed to do it, and they're able to do it, so why can't I, and why can't we? And, and they always have more than us, and they always get to do things that we don't get to do. And the jealousies just continue to exist, and they just continue to eat at people, even to the point of bitterness toward people 
who have more than them. Seditions, we certainly have the issues of those who hate government and are going to cause the disorder. We have the heresies and the lies. We have the murders. We know this. What about the drunkenness? Good night. Did you watch the Super Bowl ads? Do you, do you watch the commercials on TV? How many beer commercials? Well, listen, they're not promoting... Whether they say drink responsibly or not, that's not really what they're promoting. They're promoting, here's our product, take it, take it, take it, and indulge. We don't begin to know how many people are struggling with that. What about the mind-altering drugs in our society? How many lives have been affected by those little mind-altering drugs? You know, it's not that they get wild and crazy. It just takes them to their happy place. We have no idea just how extensive that reach is because of that sin of the person engaging in the mind-altering drugs. Because it affects the family. It affects the children. It affects the finances. It affects so many things. The revelings, the eat, the drink, the be merry, for tomorrow we may die. And do we see how broad and amazing this list is? And here's part of the problem. And I don't know if we're bored right now or if we're trying to take all this in, but think about this. Here's part of the problem. It's present in the church today. We don't have to leave the doors of this church to see the far-reaching effects of sin in our world today. You have the people in churches who commit adultery, the fornication, the uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, the mind-altering drugs, the hatred, the emulation, the jealousy, the seditions, the heresies, the murders, the drunkenness, the revelings. It's all within the churches these days. That is the world we live in. And if the veil were lifted for just a day and we saw just how amazing and how prevalent the sin in our world is, I think it would astound us and I think we'd have a hard time grasping it. I think it would overwhelm us. But again, I want to remind us what we're seeing in our society today is nothing new. Because the Apostle Paul was writing of every bit of this almost 2,000 years ago. Somebody says, well, fine. Okay. Turn over to Hebrews. Turn over to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11. Most of us know what Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. It's about the subject of faith. Do you remember this? It's about the subject of faith. Men and women who were men and women of faith. Now notice what it says in verse number 32. 
It says, And what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson and of, of Jephthah and, and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Now notice what it says here, and others were tortured. Some 2,000 years ago, you know what there were? There were men and women who were tortured because of their faith. We understand this. The whole chapter is dealing with men and women of faith. They had chosen to place their trust and their confidence in God. And the Bible says, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They were not going to take the easy way out when they were being tortured for their faith. Follow this, please. Some 2,000 years ago in the sin-filled world that they were living in, there were those who looked at the men and the women of faith, and they said, we hate you because of your faith, and because of that, we're going to torture you, and we're going to make your life miserable, we're going to make your life tough. And rather than accepting deliverance, they accepted the torture. Why? That they might obtain a better resurrection. Notice in verse number 36, it said, And others had trial of cruel mocking and scourgings. There were others, because of their faith, they endured mock trials, and they were beaten, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. The world hated them 2,000 years ago. Why? Because of their faith. It says in verse number 37, They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were cut in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. As the Bible tells us of the men and women of faith, they were stoned, they were cut in two, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about, they were destitute, they were afflicted, they were tormented. And notice what it says in verse number 38 of their relationship with the world. It says, of whom the world was not Worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. You know what that statement essentially means? It essentially means this that when you look at the world and the relationship of these people with the world who hated them, as you looked at the world system, the adultery, the fornication, the lasciviousness, the drunkenness, the mind-altering drugs, the idolatry, as you look at every bit of the world that they lived in, and then you looked at their life and their relationship with the world they were living in, you know what the writer declared? The world did not deserve to have these types of people. Of whom the world was not worthy. 
I mean, here's the world, and this is how the world lives. And then here are these men and women of faith. And you know what? These men and women, based upon the way they choose, chose to live their life, the world did not deserve to have people like this. Why? Because the world was so messed up in their way of thinking and their philosophy and their outlook and their approach to life. Now, if you'll follow this, please, for just a moment, the logic here then would also be this, that as you look at the world and the way that the world lived and the way that the world conducted itself, as you look at the world system and the philosophy and their approach to life, here is what you would also do. You would also look at other people and come to this conclusion. You know what? You deserve each other. Y'all deserve each other. We've got a world here that is filled with adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, emulation, sedition, heresies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And you know what? You deserve this, inhabitant of the earth. And inhabitant of the earth, guess what? You deserve every bit of that. You all deserve each other. Based on the way you have chosen to live your life but see these men and women of faith the ones who were tortured the ones who were scourged the ones who had the bonds and the imprisonment the ones who were stoned the ones who were cut in two the ones who were tempted the ones who wondered the ones who were destitute the ones who were afflicted the ones who were tormented listen those types of people you did not deserve them why not because they were perfect not because they were sinless not because they didn't ever commit sin but you did not deserve them why because they made the choice even in a sin-filled world I will be a person of faith and I will not live according to this world's philosophy even though it may make my life easier. I thought about that. And as I began to think about that, I began to think of my own personal existence on this earth. Because I live in the same world you live in, and I live in a world very similar to that of what Paul lived in. If Paul said we got adultery, I'd say, here, here, we do too. If Paul said, hey, we had fornication, I'd say, hey, we got that one, and we got it rampant. And if he said, well, we've got idolatry, it's pretty bad, I'd say, yeah, check out church attendance on Sunday mornings. A lot of Christians won't be there. Why? Because they've got baseball, they've got volleyball, they've got whatever it might be coming up, and they've got the lake, and they've got this, and they've got that. And God can't be first in their life. Why? Because there are so many other things that are in front of God. So, Paul, you talk about adultery. Hey, we got adult or idolatry. We, we've got idolatry as well. Paul says, we've got mind-altering drugs. We got you. The war on drugs has not kept them from the United States border. We still got them. Somebody said he might say, "Well, you know, we, we we don't just have that. We've got the drunkenness." Yeah, yeah, I know. You should have seen Friday night here in the United States. You should have seen Saturday night here in the United States. Yeah, we've got drunkenness as well. Listen, I look at the world that we live in, and then I look at my own existence in this world, and it caused me to ask this question. 
Does the world deserve me? Think about it. This is the world's philosophy. This is the world's way of thinking. This is the world's approach. And it is anti-God. It is anti-faith. It is anti-living for the Lord. Correct? It hates Christians. It hates believers. Okay, so as I look at my life, as I look at my existence, I have to ask myself this question. Okay, do I live in such a way that it could be said of me when I'm gone? You know what? The world did not deserve to have Kyle Osfeld. Because Kyle Osfeld chose to live a life so different than the world he was a part of. See, that's an important question. Because there are a lot of people who leave this life. And you know what? Them and the world deserved each other. Because as the world lived and taught and as the world promoted, so they lived and taught and promoted. As the world engaged in sexual perversion and sexual lasciviousness and, 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 and all the things sexually that the world enjoyed, hey, they were right there and they were a part of it. Whether it be adultery of the mind or the fornication or, or enjoying all the, the sensualization of things, listen, they deserve the world and the world deserved them. Why? Because they were one and the same. You look at this person and then the world deserved them and they deserved the world. Why? Because they didn't mind partaking of the, of the alcohol to the point of drunkenness and, 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 you know, just getting a little tipsy, just a little buzzed, whatever it may be. And, and hey, it's all right. No. 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 No, it's not. They leave this life and... The world deserved them and they deserved the world. Why? Because the world wanted nothing to do with God. And truth be told, these people wanted nothing to do with God except when they were in a bind. See, as I looked at the statement made of these nameless individuals, so many of them, the world was not worthy of them. The world didn't deserve them. Okay, whenever I check out, whenever that moment comes, whenever that moment takes place, could it be said of me by those who knew me, you know what? This world didn't deserve someone like Kyle because Kyle chose to live a life of faith and he chose to live a life of obedience not just on Sundays not just on Wednesdays not just when other church members were present but he was the real deal even when it cost him even when it was difficult whatever the circumstances may have been So if I'm going to ask myself that question, guess who I'm about to ask? I'm going to ask you, does the world deserve you? I mean, you've got the world system over here. 
Now, you know if you're honest whether or not you're a part of the world system throughout the week or if you choose to be a part of the Lord's system throughout your daily life. You know if when you're away from the church, if you're a part of the world, if you talk like the world, if you smell like the world, if you act like the world, if you talk like the world, you know what it's like. So when you're dead and gone, could me or some other preacher stand over the casket and look to those who were in attendance at the service that day and be able to say something like this? You know what? Based upon their life of faith and their life of obedience and their life of service and their life of ministry, could the preacher look at those in attendance at your service and say this? You know what? This old sin-filled world didn't deserve someone like that. Or if the preacher had to be honest, they'd say something like this. You know what? Them and the world, they were a pretty good match. They pretty much deserved each other. See, unfortunately, there are a lot of church people that the world deserves. And there are a lot of church people that the world deserves them. Why? Because away from the house of God, away from the other believers, away from the, from the, the pressures of being Christian in their behavior, away from all that, they pretty much hook up hand in hand, arm in arm with the world, and they live just like the world. It's unfortunate, but the world deserves most of the people inhabiting it even among churches today. But this morning, I don't want to end on a negative note because that wouldn't be positive, would it? So I'd like to end on a positive note and remind us of this. In Hebrews chapter 11, there's not one perfect person named. And if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, you'll not find one person who doesn't have a past of sorts. Abraham had a past. I mean, Abraham had his moments where he said, Sarah, why don't you go ahead and lie? Tell everybody I'm just your brother and you go act like we're not really married and, you know, we'll just call it cool. See, I'd look at that and say, that's not exactly that great moment of faith in your life, Abraham. But see, overall, it could be said of Abraham that he got some things straightened out and he got some things taken care of. And he became a man that one day the Bible could say, this is a man of faith of whom the world was not worthy of. We dealt with David over a year. We know that David had his ups and his downs. We know that David had his failures. But at the end of it all, the Bible says of David, you know what? Even though he wasn't perfect, even though he didn't do everything right, he still had a heart and he still had a spirit that I could say, this man was a man of faith and the world did not deserve him. Somebody might say, well, you don't know exactly what my past is like. I think Rahab would step up and say, you want to talk? Because Rahab would say, I used to be a harlot. I was a prostitute. (laughs) Do you see my name there in verse 31? It isn't that I started out so beautiful, but I ended up okay. 
Why? Because I made some decisions in my life that divorced myself from the world system and the world's way of thinking and how I used to live. And I had a change of direction and I had a change of life. And at the end of it all, when it was all said and done, because of some choices I made to divorce myself from the world's way of thinking and to live for God, the world in the end didn't really deserve to have me. Now, if you had caught me prior to that whole faith experience, yeah, we deserved each other. But because of what God did in my life and the way that I began to live, yeah, I mean, I guess that's why I'm here. There's Gideon, there's Moses, so many others. And the one that blows my mind of all of them is Samson. At some point, Samson had to have gotten right with God. And said, you know what? I've lived like the world long enough. I've lived according to the world system long enough. And yes, there are more bad stories about me than there are positive stories recorded in the scripture. But at some point, Samson became a man of faith. And because of that transformation in his life, it would be said of him as it was said of the others, of whom the world was not worthy. My point is simply this. It doesn't matter what our past is. It doesn't matter what our failures are. It doesn't matter what our struggles are. What matters is this. Do we want to be men and women of faith who choose to live for God and not live for the world's philosophy? If that's what we want, then you know what? In the end, if that is truly how we live, if that is truly how we approach this life, regardless of whatever the failures may be, regardless of the bad memories that somebody may be able to, to pull up and say, oh, if you'd only known him 30 years ago, hey, listen, that was 30 years ago. That's not who he died. That's not who she died. You and I can be men and women of faith. You and I can be men and women of whom the world was not worthy. But it will only be when we choose to be the men and women of faith that God has called us to be. Does the world deserve you? Do you deserve the world? Or could it truly be said of you and I, of whom the world was not worthy? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. <coughs> Father, I pray that you'd use this message to be a challenge to every one of us here today. Lord, it's quite possible that there are some in here this morning and... <coughs> 